Greetings, soul sisters, spiritual brethren, and non-binary siblings. This is the Queer Ritual Podcast, a place to discuss healing, spiritual practices, guided meditations, and self-empowerment with a queer-minded focus. Allies are welcome, too. I'm your host, Ricky B. Malone. My pronouns are he, they. I'm a Reiki master, intuitive healer, and master esthetician based out of the East Coast of the U.S. My goal with this podcast is to empower others to discover their true selves and live the lives they truly want. Hello, everyone. I am finally back in my original recording setup, so hopefully the sound's pretty good. I've been having issues lately over like weird echoes and hollowed out voice, so bear with me while I deal with audio trouble, but hopefully this is working today. So the topic I wanted to speak on today is queer respectability politics. So first off, let's just define the term. What is respectability politics? So respectability politics is a criticism in certain civil rights movements when members of a minority group start policing each other's behavior, saying that we should remove certain aspects of our behavior that are deemed offensive by the majority in order for us to get our rights respected by the majority. So the term respectability politics uh, is most often used within feminist circles and the black civil rights movement. The feminist version of respectability politics would be saying that women should not dress overtly sexual or should avoid topless protesting, saying that women who dress that way make all women look bad. Uh, within the black civil rights movement, it would be uh, policing speech mostly or even policing fashion sense, saying to avoid sounding uneducated or uh, not trying to use as much slang, Ebonics, or African-American vernacular English, saying that the black community should try to appear more educated in order to get their uh, grievances heard. It's policing speech most often, but it can also be policing, policing fashion sense. And within the Stop Asian Hate movement, the respectability politics criticism was also leveled at Andrew Yang uh, in 2020 or 2021, I'm not entirely sure. He had made a statement about how Asian Americans should emphasize their Americanness and show their ability to assimilate and that that would uh, stop some of the Asian hate. What all three of these examples have in common is it's policing behavior, policing how people act, saying that minorities should try to be as inoffensive as possible. So let's get into LGBT or queer respectability politics. Now a growing criticism of pride parades or drag shows is that they're inappropriate for children, that they celebrate BDSM, or they have public nudity, or they're too overtly sexual. And there certainly are examples of pride parades or drag shows that are inappropriate for children. 
But at the same time, that's not always the case. There are, there are pride parades that are totally fine for kids to go to. And ultimately, it's, it's the discretion of the parents whether they want their kids to see any of that. And we shouldn't necessarily be rushing to policing our own behavior just for the sake of homophobic people's comfort levels, you know? And as a result of that, we do uh, police our own behavior in the queer community. You know, there's the, there's the, uh, there's the gay men out there that want to emphasize how straight passing they are or straight acting they are, or you'll hear gay men say things like, I'm a man who likes men. I don't like effeminate men, or I'm only into masculine men, uh, mask for mask, those sorts of things. And it does reflect our own internalized homophobia, making statements like that. And for those of us who are not straight passing, it's not exactly like we can change who we are for the comfort of other people. So we as a community should be catching this stuff when it happens. Now there are arguments both for and against respectability politics because those of us who are straight passing or straight acting are going to experience less examples of homophobia. And those of us who are noticeably queer are going to face more examples of homophobia or transphobia. But our community is diverse and there's merits both ways. The people who are unashamed of themselves are going to act in the way that seems natural to them. And it's a reflection of our own internalized homophobia when we perpetuate these ideas. Because it is saying to some degree, like, oh, you deserved what came to you because you were too out there or too obnoxious or too flamboyant. And that's not okay. So th there, there isn't a, there isn't one right answer here. That's what, that's the moral dilemma. And because I'm a biracial person and a white passing person and sometimes a straight passing person, I'm hyper cognizant that how I'm perceived also affects how I am treated by the greater population. And I catch myself policing my behavior. And I don't want to perpetuate shame. But if I'm policing my own behavior that way, I think I am perpetuating the shame. Or it's at least a reflection that on some level I have that shame deep down within me. And I'm just being me. That's the thing. I think we're all guilty, you know, straight or gay or whatever. We're all guilty of putting on different faces in different places. Or using different voices in different places. And... We should be aware of that. 
we shouldn't be perpetuating shame. We shouldn't be ashamed of who we are. And we should be celebrating those of us who are unashamed. The, the opposite of shame is pride. That's what the pride movement is about. Those of us who are in a position of privilege should use that privilege for good. Not for perpetuating shame. So there's room for all of us within the community. And we just have to be aware. We have to be aware of these behaviors. We have to be aware of when we are perpetuating the respectability politics. And those of us within the community that are deemed less offensive should still be fighting for the rights of those of us who face more hate. Privilege can be a force for good just as much as it can be a source of blindness. And we have to be aware of it within ourselves and within our community if we want to achieve equality. So if you're a member of the queer community, I'm asking you to be aware of the ways in which you are perpetuating these respectability politics, either with yourself, self-policing, self-censorship, or with others, the femme-shaming, the kink-shaming, the mask-for-mask -mask ideal. These things come from a place of shame. Even if we're not aware of it, they come from a place of shame. It's internalized homophobia, internalized transphobia. And we have to be aware. And ultimately, the opposite of shame is pride. So we should not be ashamed of who we are. And we should not be policing each other in this way. That's all I got for now. I'll see you soon. If you wish to contact me directly, or have your question featured in a future episode of the podcast, you can send me an email at tqrpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, tqrpodcast or my personal Instagram, Ricky Dementia. That's R-I-K-I Dementia. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, signing off.